Hey folks, this is Jeff. It's Thursday, February the 3rd. You're listening to episode 7 of Running Crunch. Let's go! Well, it is really windy here today, guys. And a little bit cold. Temperature's probably about 35, maybe 40. So, not as bad as some of my buddies online are experiencing, but I'm in shorts. I don't have winter running clothes, so I'm kind of cold. Anyway, enough bitching. Hi. I'm just out for a short three miler today. It's uh I started a Hal Higdon half marathon program and I'm in week one. And uh so yesterday was three mile speed work. Well, actually it was five five four hundred repeats which ended up being a four mile run when you include the warm up and the cool down so anyway that was yesterday today is just a three mile easy run I'm true to form having a hard time keeping my pace down I think I just want to keep warm my body wants to run fast. Get the blood going. Anyway. Um, so I'm in this first week of this training program. Uh, no idea how it's going yet. Because <laughs> I'm only on like day three of it. But uh, I just think I needed something to help me focus through February. And my goal is to run a half before the end of uh, before I leave here on 1 July so this is my way of starting that preparation longest I've run so far has been 7 miles so 13.1 is quite a jump and I don't want it to be a struggle I've pretty much decided that I want my running to be enjoyable and I don't want to injure myself and I don't want running to be a struggle so hence the training program anyway let's talk training real quick this podcast is coming right on the heels of episode 6 so not a lot new to talk about but I'll go into a little more detail about a couple of things I did a running streak in January. My intent was to run every day during January. So a 31 day streak. I got through most of it. But I think I've mentioned the blisters on my left foot. I tried to run through those, but eventually 
it got to the point where I was worried that I was going to cause, you know, more damage or an infection. So I just took a day off. That was while I was in DC. And uh, so I think my streak ended 26 or 27 days, something like that. You know, the, com- the wisdom is you're supposed to take rest days. Um, and uh, I can tell you, rest days are great because after one day of rest, my first run back, I was really strong. Lot stronger than I had been. So, best days are definitely a key. But I don't think there's all that much danger if you moderate. There's not that much danger in running every day. Because honestly, I felt good the whole time. Be quiet. So, I ran uh, about 105 miles in January. Most of my runs were 3 to 5 miles in length. A couple of long ones, a little over 6, one a little over 7. So, not a bad mileage total for a month of relatively short runs. My plan in February is to run at least 85 miles because that's what I need to get to a thousand by the end of the year. But to uh, so that means 25 miles a week. But to take a couple of rest days during the week now. So the Hal Higdon program. It builds, as you would imagine. So February starts out a little slow. I think I get about 18 miles this week. But then it'll rapidly build up. By the end of it, I'll clearly be doing more than 25 miles a week. Hopefully there's a race aligned at the end of that. Scheduling here is not really very far out. <laughs> the races get scheduled a couple weeks out, so I don't really know. But if there's no race, then what I'll do is just run my own half marathon at the end of that and see how that goes. So, anyway, that's where training is feeling good, no injuries. My wife sent me this trigger point. I don't know if I talked about it before, but I'll just briefly talk about it. There's this system for your lower legs made by a company called, I think the company's called Trigger Point. Anyway, you can Google it. It's a little roller that you roll your soleus on, and then there's also some, some little balls that you can use on your cast 
and uh, basically the intent is to treat your lower legs to prevent injury and then also to treat existing injury I think it's a great system and since I've been using it I don't have any issues with my legs so far knock on wood so especially for heavier runners and I'm a heavy runner I'll talk about that in a second but for heavier runners I highly recommend you uh, read and use as many tools credible tools as you can to avoid injury there's a lot of good information out there so don't just take to the road go get a shoe fitting make sure you you understand your stride and, and what you need in terms of shoes and then take advantage of any tools that are out there that can help you I'm going to slow down a little bit. I'm running way too fast. Get the heart rate down. Okay. Talk about diet for a second. I actually gained a couple pounds on my trip. Um, Which is interesting because talking to my wife to confirm it, our diets were pretty good. We had a perfect breakfast every day and then really only ate one other meal you know sit down restaurant meal and then for the other meal we just uh, you know had good healthy snacks or a small meal you know like a salad or something like that pretty much just ate two meals a day and we worked out at least every other day and I still gained probably three pounds on the trip, which is a little odd. And all I can think is that some of that is fluids from being on the airplane. Of course, I wasn't tracking my calories. So there could have been a couple of days where I was snacking a lot more than I thought. But anyway, gained about three pounds. That's coming off now. Um, I got a great email from a guy named J Dub on Daily Mile. Um, he's from Australia, uh, marathoner, and uh, just seems like a really good dude. Anyway, he uh, sent me a good email. He likes the podcast, which is nice. I don't know if you guys can hear the call to prayer in the background. I swear I don't plan these. It just happens. <laughs> anyway, um, J-Dev wrote, you know, a supportive email. And then he had a really good paragraph in there about about diet. I guess in one of my previous... Ooh, it's windy. I, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I'm really battling a strong wind here. It's cold. Anyway, he mentioned diet, I guess, in a previous podcast. I had talked about um, how I wasn't really battling my diet. I think it was in terms of, you know, like going vegetarian or vegan is what I meant to talk about. 
I'm not sure how I came across. His email said, you know, that maybe I had insinuated that I wasn't interested in diet, but that eventually I would be. And that uh, in order to improve my performance, I would have to pay attention to my diet. Well, I agree with you 100%, J-Dub. And if I gave the impression that diet wasn't important or that I wasn't interested in it, then I definitely gave the wrong impression. I'm very interested in diet. In fact, I'm reading two books right now on nutrition. And I wish I had thought to memorize the names, but one of them is from Runner's World, and the other one is a couple of nutritionists. Um, One of them is just about sports nutrition in general. The other one is about timing your nutrition. So I am getting serious about it. JW, you're exactly right. My deal with diet is, you know, having, knowing myself and having learned through failure that I can't go to extremes, at least what would be extreme for me now. My point is that I need to moderate. So I don't, I don't try to do total calorie restriction anymore. Um, I don't try to avoid types of food necessarily, with a couple of exceptions. I don't eat anything deep fried. Uh, I don't eat anything high fat. I stick to, uh, I love vegetables and I love fruit. So I eat a lot of raw veggies and fruit. I love chicken, turkey, and fish. So I eat a lot of that. I don't uh, get a lot of fish here because honestly it kind of sucks. So I eat mostly chicken and turkey. And clearly J-Dub has some military experience because he referenced the, the DFAC here, which is the dining facility, and that you have to have some self-control to eat well in there. And that is true, especially if you have bad habits, because you can walk in there and eat pizza, cheeseburgers, and fries for uh, lunch and dinner every day. And you can eat crap for breakfast, too. It's all there. But that's not an issue for me. Woo, messy. My poor shoes. Um, that's not an issue for me. I eat really, really well. I normally eat a salad and just a piece of chicken. Sometimes I'll eat pinto beans and um, some raw veggies and fruit. I mean, that pretty much is my diet. So, I do have a quarter cup, of, quarter cup to a half cup of ice cream. Uh, so, I do have some sweets. I'm definitely a sweet tooth kind of guy. But uh, I try to, get, during the week, I count my calories. And I try to keep my calorie deficit between 1,000 and 1,500. And that generally means eating about 1,800 to 2,000 calories a day, which works pretty good. Lately I've been up around 22 to 2400, which explains 
a little bit of my slower weight loss lately. But honestly, I'm not concerned. Um, I feel myself getting back, you know, strongly motivated. I'm starting to log every single thing that goes over my lips. So I'll be back to uh, 1,500 calorie deficit a day here pretty soon. My weight's at 218. It got down to 215 um, right, right when the trip started. Back up to 218, but that'll come back down. Man, I'm having a hard time keeping my pace down. Alright, that's a long training update. I'm going to stop there. We'll enjoy a little music. And then when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit of personal stuff. See you guys in a minute.
Okay, back, trying to slow down a little. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the cold still or, I don't know, but I'm just having a hard time keeping my pace down today. For you beginning runners, I gotta tell you, that's a good feeling when you just feel like you wanna run faster. But it's important to moderate. I talked about that last podcast. What you, uh, what you don't control now will come back and control you in a day or two. So just uh, read, take other people's advice, stick to it, and be patient. Anyway, I said I was going to talk about personal stuff. Um, I haven't talked much about me in the previous podcast, so I'm not really much to talk about myself, but I'll talk a little bit about it. From Louisiana, I was born in St. Charles Parish in Louisiana, which is not far from New Orleans. It's a very small town, so when people ask me where I'm from, I pretty much just tell them New Orleans. Everyone knows New Orleans. But the town's name is Norco, and I went to a high school called Destrahan. Grew up there my whole life. Mom and dad are good. Very normal, middle-class Americans. Um, you know, post-World War II, baby boomer generation. Just very normal. Uh, had three kids. They had three kids. Me and my two brothers. I'm the oldest. And, uh, you know, I just had a really happy, normal childhood. My, my parents are still married. Both retired. Living in the house that they've lived in for well over 30 years, and so pretty cool, pretty lucky, pretty fortunate. Dad worked his way up from you know living in a mobile home, lower lower middle class at best, to a very comfortable, you know maybe even upper middle class lifestyle. Even though they don't live that way, they live firmly middle class, but, you know, they're very comfortable, at least, I don't dig into their finances, but they seem that way, they seem happy, seem secure in their retirement, so, so my mom and dad are a huge source of pride for me, and, and definitely an American success story, anyway, I come from that background, I was a high school football player, didn't really like running or anything. Did a couple of races with my dad, but didn't really take to it. Wish I had, but played football, played offensive line. I've kind of had an offensive lineman mindset my entire life. Like the training table. Don't really like doing the training. So, uh, was a good football player in high school. Pretty good student. Did not apply myself, but smart enough to get by. Um, went to college at LSU in Baton Rouge. I'm a huge LSU sports fan, by the way. I actually have a an LSU podcast as well that I've kind of let go, but and I've written on a couple of blogs for LSU. But anyway, um, I went to LSU and graduated. 
1988. I was a terrible student. Spent more time partying than uh, paying attention in class. Basically got by on surges of crisis attention and um, and my, you know, like, luckily I'm fortunate enough to be fairly smart, so I just got by on that. Um, I say that because it feeds into kind of why I've been struggling with running for my, most of my life, because uh, anything that's difficult, I pretty much have blown off. And uh, I only do the things that are easy for me. I mean, that's a gross generalization. It's not. It's not completely true because, you know, I'd say I've been really good in relationships. <clears throat> I'm not one to cheat or play around. Relationships are really hard. I've stuck to that. I'm not really a quitter, but I definitely look for the path of least resistance. So I started out in electrical engineering with an ROTC scholarship and I ended up <laughs> in liberal arts having lost the scholarship for the last semester because my grade point average sucks so bad. To my mom and dad's credit, they did not bust my balls over that. I mean, I think they were concerned, but um, they were just as proud of me when I graduated with my 2.3 um, as if I'd have graduated with a higher GPA. So, anyway. Joined the Air Force, got commissioned. Um, and then off I went. Not really from a military family, so I was kind of the first in a while at least um, since maybe the World War II generation to join the military and make it a career in my family. So, you know, again, my parents didn't try to talk me out of it. Uh, I think sometimes it's broken their hearts because I've been gone so much and my kids are gone. My wife's in the same boat, you know. Her parents don't get to see the grandkids much. But anyway, it's been a great career. So I joined the Air Force first stop was Mather Air Force Base in California, which is a great place, mostly because that's where I met my wife, Sacramento, I was at navigator training, and uh, so I became a navigator, and then, wow, back against the wind, got assigned to F-4s. I flew F-4s for a couple of years, and then F-111s, which is a kind of a swing wing airplane, fighter bomber, mostly bomber. Flew F-111s for four years or so, and then got to the F-15E, the Strike Eagle, and uh, have flown that for the rest of my time. I don't fly anymore. My last flight was in May of 2010 before coming here. All told, I have uh, somewhere less than 3,000 hours of fighter time and 
fun in the backseat of all those fighters. A couple other interesting things. I I went to some army schools, which at the end of the day is what got me this assignment. And because uh, this is a very army heavy joint staff. And I commanded a Navy squadron, a training squadron in NAS Pensacola. So that's kind of cool. Not many Air Force guys can say they've been called Skipper. So that's definitely something I kind of treasure. So that's my career. Um, I'm a colonel in the Air Force. Just pinned on a few months ago. I've been in for, what, 22 years? Wife and I have been together all that time, well, 20 of it. I was in two years before I met her. So, she and I have done this together. It's been amazing. We've lived Texas, New Mexico, California, Idaho, Alaska, England, Virginia, all over the place. It's been amazing. This assignment has been hard. I have three little girls, uh, 11, 5, and 2, almost 6. My middle daughter turns 6 here in a couple of days. It's been really hard to be away. I miss them, but Skype is amazing. So, get to talk to them. Especially the two-year-old, man. She's changing so fast. When I left, she was saying one word at a time. Now she's speaking in sentences. And she's got a little two-year-old attitude. It's very cute. Hi. Good. So... It's been a long seven months. After this, I don't know where I'm going. I should find out, though, in a couple of weeks. So you guys will find out with me. I've got some leads, but I don't want to say anything yet. Hopefully it's a place where there's lots of races. I'll be quiet again. Hi. Okay, well, that's a little about me. I'll talk more about some of that stuff later. Got some interesting flying stories. You know, just being in the military stuff. But I'm going to go work out now, so see you guys later. All right, folks, I'm uh, back in my chew my containerized housing unit, and I just wanted to kind of clean up the rest of the podcast and send you guys on your way. Um, I mentioned an email from uh, a a guy named J-Dub. He's a podcaster. You may have heard of the BHAG podcast. He's been doing that for a while. Um, He's obviously a runner, a marathoner, and um, that podcast he does, BHAG, is really good. I highly recommend it. I've listened to a few episodes now, and I really enjoy it. Anyway, J-Dub, um, 
sent an email and uh, I talked about it a little bit in the podcast. I just want to read the one piece that I was referring to. Um, after uh, after talking a little bit about Groundhog Day here, which you know, if you know what Groundhog Day is, you understand. It's just everything's the same every day pretty much. Uh, he talks about um, diet and he says, I know you mentioned that changing your diet too much was not something you could see yourself doing. And I have to say that for a long time I was in the same boat. Eventually, it will become one of those areas within your control that you will actually want to address because as you learn more and develop as a runner, it becomes an area that you want to change so you can keep improving and break out of the training performance plateaus we all reach. Uh, I totally get that, and um, I I agree with you, J-Dub, 100%. I think I gave the wrong impression. Um, uh, I guess what I I really mean is um, I, I... I really like meat as my protein, uh, and I don't drink, I don't have a lot of dairy, but I do like to eat eggs, and I do like uh, some lean chicken and that kinds of stuff. So, um, right now, at least, my makeup isn't one to lean towards, uh, you know, vegetarian or vegan, at least not purely. I really don't eat red meat much. Um, I eat, you know, maybe once every other month I have a steak, so pr- pretty, uh, pretty rare, but. I sense that maybe that's where uh, J-Dub's going. Maybe he'll send an email and uh, set me straight. Um, but I sense he's kind of leaning towards uh, vegetarian, vegan, maybe. And maybe that's what he's talking about. And we'll see. My wife is, um, you know, she's pretty close to vegetarian. Uh, she, she's not pure, but she's certainly cut uh, red meat out of my diet for the most part. And uh, and certainly bad saturated fats and things like that. So, But anyway... Not to belabor it anymore, J-Dub, I completely agree with you. I think diet is huge, and uh, I do pay quite a bit of attention to my diet in in the sense that uh, I really make sure I'm eating the right balance of carb, protein, and good, high-quality fats, and uh, and I really, I, I guess I could just, I'll say it again, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> um the other thing I want to talk about briefly, I mentioned a couple of books I'm I'm reading on that subject. Um, one of the books I haven't actually started reading yet. I haven't broken the cover on it, uh, so to speak. That one is from Runner's World, and it's about uh, nutrition for performance. Uh, and uh, I don't remember the title of it, but uh, I'll talk about that one at another time. But this book I'm reading right now is called The Nutrient Timing for peak performance by Heidi Skolnick and Andrea Chernus, and um, these folks are at least Skolnick is, is a nutritionist, a sports nutritionist, and um, so it starts out a little slow. It's talking about uh, carbohydrates and fats and proteins and how your body, you know, breaks down glucose into glycogen and stores it for use later and those things. So um, if you've done a lot of any reading at all about nutrition, it's sort of a review, but it's a good review. Um, and so what she's building up, what they are building up to now is talking about timing and um, how to make sure you're eating the right things at the right time um, so that your uh, your body's fueled and ready to go. And I'm assuming they're going to talk about longer runs too and, you know, what kinds of things you should, you should consume on those runs to make sure that your body is continually fueled. So, so far it's been a good book. It's, um, it's not so sciencey that you can't read it. Um, but it's not so basic that there's not interesting nuggets in it. So it's laid out pretty well. I'm reading it on my Kindle and it's working out pretty good. I changed the music in this, um, episode as well. I've been, uh, 
using Josh Woodward on on all of my episodes so far, the first six. Um, so I did a little searching around, and uh, just to switch it up, I picked a new artist. The artist's name is Singleton, uh, and the song on the uh, on the podcast is called "Alive Again." It's off of uh, high, the High Seas album that's on Jamendo.com. Um, so uh, give that a look if you're interested. Okay, I'm going to sign off now. Um, as always, you can you can get the podcast on iTunes by searching for Running Crunch. You can uh, you can find the podcast on my blog, which is runningcrunch.blogspot.com. I'm Running Crunch on Twitter, and um, I think that's it. You guys have a great week, and uh, I'll talk to you in episode eight. This is Jeff. You're listening to Running Crunch. Let's go. 